0: I see me. Welcome to the Sex Files. How, how goes it? It goes, you know. <laughs> it goes. <laughs> no, I had... So last night, I'm such a nerd. I really like to watch... I don't know if you know this. About, I think you know this about me. I like to watch this guy um, open old war rations and then I eat do. the food that's inside. <laughs> I <know> you do. Because <laughs> I find it so interesting.
1: So what did he eat?
0: So he ate... Um, he ate uh he drank coffee and then he ate um little biscuits from like nineteen uh like sixty-nine, I think, yeah, or nineteen seventy one. It's so funny because he's like, Yeah, these are rancid, and then he goes, You definitely cannot eat those, and then you just hear chewing off camera.
1: Is he okay?
0: He like, does he, like has does like he a stomach up? of steel. No. He said, I think, I haven't been watching them for a while, but I'm pretty sure he said he's only gotten sick once. Um, What was it from? He's, like, very knowledgeable. I don't remember. Um, But, yeah, I think the earliest thing that he's opened, he doesn't eat all of them, but, like, the earliest thing, because he, like, buys them Mm
2: -hmm.
0: from people um, unopened. So, like, when you open them, it's kind of, you don't know what you're going to get. Like, you don't know if, if you know, things leaked or or whatever. So sometimes he can eat them, sometimes he can't, but then I watched one, and he opened one from nineteen o six.
1: Oh my which God, was wild,
0: yeah um, he ate that and shit. yeah, what the fuck? Well, because it's like if you think about it, those things are meant to be preserved, like they're meant to be carried like underwater and a uh, hundred and fourteen years so so listen though, listen, so that quick the whole I did that math? Thank you. that was really good. I just thought you pulled a random number out, so it's, that was really no, it's good. correct. That's the whole point. It's, like, interesting to see if these things sustained long. the test of time.
1: That's so interesting. Sustained? Yeah. Withheld?
0: With – yeah. With, is With- that it? Anyways, it's interesting to see if these products, like, you know, n- made it yep. to this year. And it's really cool to see all – because everything has a date on it. Because mm-hmm. they obviously were all made in a factory. This is so interesting. No, I think it's but- interesting. Because I love history, and so it's. Anyways, I fell asleep watching. Mm-hmm. I fell asleep watching a tour of the Tenement Museum in New York City, which is so cool.
1: <laughs> Can we go?
0: Absolutely, yeah. It's on the Lower East Side. It's like an actual tenement building, um, and I was gonna text you. It was like three a.m., and I was gonna say, "Could you imagine like not having running water?" No. And like there was, there was one of, so most of them followed this pattern. It was like one, um, one of the rooms that they go into mm-hmm. it rooms, one of the apartments that they go into was 352 square feet, three rooms and 10 people living inside,
1: Holy two shit! two parents
0: and eight, eight children. Oh my God. And it was really cool because one of the videos that I was watching a woman who lived there when she was like nine went back and oh. it was really sweet yeah it was really cute
1: that's so cool
0: and i'm i'm a huge i'm a freak because i Maybe think not. that like it's i'll pause every once in a while and i'll just think like like if there's a cobblestone road or something i'll just think like wow like people when there were no cars and like had to get around when people had to get around on horse and buggy like they Stood here and like who knows what they did here I just find that really interesting and so well
1: it's probably because like you're from the east coast so it's like very historical like where I live on the west coast is very not historical and so everything
0: everything feels very new yes I think that that's probably true Um, but
1: I'm with you that I find that stuff really fascinating and appealing and it seems
0: yeah like in the museum they have the original railing Mm. like from when it was built in like 18... something. Oh, like when Abraham Lincoln was president. And so it's like, yeah. And it's like all like scuffed up and like 7,000 people live there from the times that it was in operation. And like, how cool is that? That's really cool. Anyways. So I fell asleep to that. And then I woke up, I had to go to work. Wasn't great. But then I had the best women, women, you know, Mm -hmm. like like these girls were taking pictures of each other outside of the grocery store I go to and I was like um to the one that was taking pictures I was like do you want to hop in and she was like um yeah sure and so I like had like an impromptu photo shoot with them so and cute. I was like you guys look so cute and then this woman from the parking lot came over and she was like do you want to get in I was Aww. like oh I'm not with them. <laughs> women but it's just like yeah women. women are amazing and that actually that actually transitions kind of well to our discussion because um a couple of years ago I probably would have been like oh my god why are they taking pictures like ugh, that's so stupid and now I've overcome all of that internal not all of it but I've overcome that, that aspect of such internalized misogyny that now I'm like I fucking that is so sweet it's amazing I love women who take pictures in public spaces like the more dramatic they are um the more I I admire yeah them. no it's incredible <laughs> and so that's our discussion kind of today yeah. accountability friendships women you yeah. know how are you
1: <laughs> I feel bleh I had to ask my boss for more money because I'm making below minimum wage and she um completely avoided my question so that's fun but it's okay. I'm channeling Jillian talking to the Fox executives because
0: if she can do it, not manipulative at all.
1: (laughs) No, not at all. Um, but it's fine. Hopefully I'll, I'll make enough. Hopefully I'll make it to minimum wage. (laughs) Send me, send me your good thoughts. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Anyways, no, your, your, um, answer is such a good segue into our discussion. So we have, somebody sent us, um, it wasn't a question, but we're going to answer it. (laughs) We're not going to, we're going to discuss. Somebody sent us um, a few days ago and said, I just listened to the episode about Fallen Angel, which I think is episode 10. If anybody wants to go back and listen, who fucking is it? They said, I just listened to the episode about Fallen Angel and it really validated my feelings about my toxic childhood best friend and how they treat me because I've been hesitant to let them go, even though I've outgrown them because of how long we've known each other. And your commentary on it at the beginning of the episode really helped me and validated me. And I just wanted to thank you both first of all it's 10 it's 10 wow me
0: yeah you were right that was that really was, good
1: i don't know where that came from
0: that feels like we did that one yesterday
1: <laughs> i know and this is episode 22 21 20 20
0: is it 20? no 22. it's 22 <gasps> that's insane.
1: 22 i'm editing 20 right anyways this is important, important. um so first of all you're welcome of course we are happy to validate that's like truly if you're listening and you're feeling validated like that's our whole goal that's so exciting for us um but secondly we notice that you say (laughs) how they treat you currently um and how that you're hesitant to let them go um sounds like you haven't yet and I just want to know why you don't you deserve so much better than that and like you should not be friends with them if they're toxic it doesn't matter how long you've known them
0: And I think also too, like, it's so, um, it's really beautiful that you are able to articulate that you've outgrown them. That's a hard thing to realize. Like that's not, yeah. And that's not something that we always want, like feel comfortable expressing because we're so, that is like unacceptable, Mm -hmm. basically like growth in society is not necessarily, um, (laughs) welcomed. So, um, The fact that you can outgrow someone, the fact that you've been able to realize that is amazing. And that was one of the parts that really stuck with me because it's like, I think, what was there's like some quote that's like, um, would you rather live with the pain of a current Mm -hmm. situation or the pain of growth? Something like that.
1: I know what quote, you're, I wonder if I could look that up.
0: Yeah, it's some, something like that. But essentially, like, like is the pain of growth going to be more uncomfortable and more discomforting than the pain of your current situation? Something along mm-hmm. those lines. Essentially, especially women, um, we feel obliged to entertain people, um, even if they're toxic. And that is especially true for you listener because of the longevity of time that you've known this person so that like just normally we're socialized to entertain people um and to make the space as comfortable for them as possible even when they treat us like shit Mm -hmm. or even when they're in the wrong and again that's just like you know you feel that so exaggerated because Mm -hmm. there's the longevity aspect of it
1: yeah absolutely and it's like if you're like me and you're, I'm immensely conflict avoidant, like, I really, I'm really trying hard not to, I'm trying to reframe and not view these things as conflict and view them as self-care and as, um, uh, as, as gross, like, because... I know I've had, um, and I know you have, Emily, like, situations with toxic friends to where you need to set those boundaries, and I always view those things as conflict, like, I always see it as, like, something that's going to be, and, and like, I'm so conditioned within myself to avoid conflict at literally all costs, like, I'm such a people pleaser, Um, and just reframing and looking at as, like, as boundaries as being a gift that you can give to somebody, and um, because if you are feeling like you've outgrown this person, they're not... Benefiting anything from
0: having you in their life,
1: like they're also in this
0: stagnancy, and so, um, and and they may be comfortable with that, but that doesn't mean that you have to be
1: exactly. And like Florence Gibbon was just talking on her, we adore her, we
0: just clearly, we're
1: the knockoff Florence Gibbon. (laughs)
0: She's everything we want to be. She's everything We're we trying want to make, be. to make, trying to make mom proud.
1: Yeah, truly. Um, she was on her story the other day, and she was talking about how liberation is, um, is not one-sided. It goes both ways. And so when totally. you're – So like, she's talking about in terms of relationships. So like when you're concerned about dumping somebody, it's like um, you're you worried you about hurting them. Yeah, exactly. Like, and so in terms of letting somebody out of your life, it's actually yeah. freeing them as well as freeing you. And so Absolutely. if you're somebody who has a hard time validating doing good things for yourself, you can look at it as as doing them a favor. You're helping them as well.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So also that's the other thing about being conflict avoidant is like um and, and setting boundaries. Oftentimes we view setting boundaries as not this is what I need, but rather like I'm doing this because I don't love you anymore. Mm. Or because um you know, I don't feel the same about you anymore. That is not on you. If that's how the person thinks that you setting boundaries is meant to be interpreted, Mm. um, then that's on them. You setting like your boundaries are like your personal law, right? Like that is how it's not, um, it's not a rejection or a slight or, um, an act of hatred or non-love to somebody else it's it's an act of love for yourself it has absolutely nothing to do with the other person and however that person reacts to those boundaries is not yours to carry like that is their emotional work to do exactly um
1: I feel like it's really hard to separate. I know I struggled with this to, to just let people's opinions be their opinions of you. And like, we were just talking about this earlier today that, mm-hmm. um, cause we were talking about it when I was talking about asking my boss for money. I was like, I was like, I don't, this just makes me more anxious. Like, cause I know that cause I had to deal with, it's like multiple people I need to deal with. It's whatever. But, um, and Emily, you were like, well, just know that like, you can't control what they think. Just know that what you're asking for is valid and it's what you deserve and that's all that you can hold on to is that knowing that you're, you're asking for what you need and then however they react to it, is however they react to, do, to it and it's out of your control. And that's so freeing. Like that's a, such a freeing way yeah. to reframe it. Because then all well, of a sudden then I'm alleviated of this anxiety because what the fuck am I, what am I anxious about? Nothing I can control.
0: What you're asking for is literally the minimum. I know. But... And so, in this situation, especially, but in every situation, you should absolutely ask. Like, I think that we put ourselves on too much of a pedestal, right? Mm. Like, we give ourselves too much credit yeah. for how h- the power we have and how we make other people feel. Yes. Um, like y- your only responsibility. Is setting boundaries and asking for what you need and asking for what you want, then it is the other person's or the other people's responsibility to decide whether or not that is feasible for them.
1: Yes, and that is where the ball is in their court completely. Like that Absolutely. is not. Absolutely. And if they can't meet whatever boundary you're setting, that's not a problem. It, it's it's good. It's good communication because then you know that you can't be in this person's life in that capacity or for whatever like whatever the situation or you can't be
0: reliant on that person for that need yes yes
1: exactly and
0: like i told stevie earlier too like women always feel like women and non-binary people people who are not um like comfortable um additions in society (laughs) in a heteronormative patriarchal white supremacy People who are not comfortable additions in that world are constantly feeling like we're asking for too much, even when it's the bare minimum. And the reason we feel like we're doing that is because we our constant state is, is overextending ourselves.
1: Yeah, that blew my mind today. Because you were yeah. talking about how I was saying, I'm like, I'm gaslighting myself that I'm not actually doing enough to deserve this much money. Like I'm like, I'm not doing enough work to deserve it or whatever. And you were like- no, you're just not overextending yourself. And I was like, how am I, I'm thinking that I don't deserve something because I'm not killing myself like doing it. Like, because I'm actually doing it in a sustainable way. I'm like, oh, it's not enough. Like what the, and like just realizing how completely ingrained and unconscious I was of that. And people do that in front. I don't want to make this about me. I've talked too much about this pay thing. But um, in friendships, people do that constantly to where like, constantly think it's just, and it's also like taking emotions on, Taking other people's emotions on you as if they're your responsibility or as if you're the cause of them. And just once you let that go, my like, fuck, it's liberating. Like yeah. Jesus Christ.
0: And I think too, like, that's the other thing. It's like if you I told Stevie, and because I know you don't want to talk about it, so this is the last thing I'll say, but you're not talking about yourself too much. If someone is unhappy or unsatisfied with what the other person is doing in a professional situation, in a romantic relationship, in a friendship it's on that person to speak up like you have to hold yourself accountable yeah it's not it's not anyone else's responsibility to decide for you whether or not you're comfortable or you're uncomfortable or you're unhappy in some way that's not on your friend Mm -hmm. that's on you to recognize that and to articulate that and to communicate that with your friend um Or whoever, yeah, with any partner, whatever it is, in any situation, exactly. Um,
1: And I know I'm not saying that you you might not do this listener, but it's sometimes it's really comfortable to be in the space where you complain about the toxicity of your friendship, (laughs) because the complaining feels like it's getting rid of that energy enough to make the toxicity seemingly sustainable it's never sustainable but it makes it feel like it is but because when you're complaining about it you feel like you've gotten a little bit off your chest so you can go back and and deal with it more totally
0: when it's also like the response that you get from the people that you're complaining to getting
1: that validation that there's something wrong but then it's on you to do something about it. Like you have to be the one and I'm not talking about like emotionally or physically abusive relationships and things like that to where it's it's really complex. But I mean like friendships that are just toxic and people aren't treating you right and you know it and you're talking to people about it and they're telling you it. It's like, it's not only a disservice to your friends who are taking the time to listen to you, but it's a disservice to yourself and it's an act of self-harm. Like you have to take yourself out of that situation. It is your responsibility to take care of yourself.
0: And so, yeah, like what Stevie was saying too, what you were saying about um, the comfortability in, in complaining and remaining in a place where you're not valued and remain, remaining in a place like we fear the unknown. And so it's very, very natural that, um, that you would um, feel like you want to, even in a toxic situation, have that safety net. But it's like, you know, Florence Given said it best, like sometimes, you know, you have to learn how to walk into your own arms because ultimately like the art of being alone, if you can master the art of being alone, like that is, that is how you truly become liberated. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would say too, like the other thing is that, um, you can't heal this person, Mm. um, And again, that goes back to like, um, you know, our egos (laughs) to a certain extent, because we like to think that we can heal someone. Yeah. And that we can, um, that someone can grow despite the fact that they've shown that they don't care about you over and over again. And it's like there's a difference between you thinking that you're responsible for that and then growing and changing and evolving in a friendship together. Mm. I'm happy that this listener, I'm happy that you were able to recognize this toxicity in your friend. Yeah. Mm. Like Stevie said, I know, you know, firsthand how toxic friendships can be. Um, but when I was in them, I was completely unaware of everything, single thing that you articulated. And so, yeah.
1: So you've made the first step, which is incredible. You've
0: made the first step. And, um, you know, if you're planning on, um, having communicating exactly what you said, Um, I think that that's fantastic, yeah. And, um, and plan and, and you know, expressing what you need, expressing that you've outgrown this person, um, giving them space to hear that. Mm -hmm. Um, if they choose, if that's how they react, um, if they don't react that way, um, and and hear you and listen to you and and take what you've said and make a change, um, then. I hope that you're showing them the door as we speak.
1: Yeah. And it's just, and we're just because I mean, I consider you guys our friends. <laughs> yeah. And, and we're just doing what good friends do, which is calling you in on this and being like, "Hey, Absolutely. why aren't you taking care of yourself here? Why are they still in your life? Like why is this all in present tense?"
0: And like yeah, and calling you in as yeah, opposed to calling you out because be, calling you out is is hostile. riddled with hostility. Yeah.
1: But calling you in feels like I'm bringing you back to the present moment, yeah. to your healthy, to your, to your positive. To yourself. To your, yeah, exactly. And Face like, yourself. Emily, you've done that for me countless times, but one in particular was I was working with a really predatory and shitty director who was, it was a whole complicated situation, but I was complaining to you a lot about it. And I was like really, I mean, understandably upset with the situation. And Every time something new happened, I would bring it up and you were like, the only way this is going to stop is if you remove yourself from the situation. Like you have to just say, you don't want to work with him anymore and complete and block him and do all those things. And you really like sat with me while I was like freaking out over sending one email. Um, and the second I did that, it was like a million pounds was lifted off my shoulders. Truly like, yeah. and, well, maybe not right away because I mean, Florence Gibbons says because well, like,
0: guilt. Yeah. Cause
1: yeah. Well, and it's like, when you're doing things that are healthy for yourself, it feels like shit in the moment, but it feels amazing in the long run. And just yeah. a few days ago, I was like, I haven't thought about him in so long. And that was something that was gnawing at me on the daily. And yeah. I was like, how freeing. And so, you know, just because you called me in on it and you were like, hey, you, you need to do this. This is what, it's what you have to do. And I was yeah. like, I don't want to, but you're right. And like with that support, I felt like I was able to do it.
0: Because it's like the... Um, the narrative that women have to be desirable and like anything outside of like a complicit submissive um, quiet woman is is um, is disruptive Mm -hmm. and so um, and non and undesirable yeah and so that's where that guilt comes from it's like feeling like you're taking up too much space feeling like you are asking for more than you deserve when it's like why would you sell yourself short like that? Don't do that to yourself. Yep. Um, and I think too, like, um, when that was all going on, like, it was really hard for me to say what I what I knew you needed to hear. But like, that was kind of early on in our friendship. Yeah. And I didn't really know how you would react mm. um, because I have been in situations where I stated a boundary or where I felt like someone that was in my life was doing something that was harming not only them but others around them and their relationship with other people around them and they've reacted completely defensively Mm -hmm. and really hostile and I still deal with that with with family members um yeah which is a little bit more complicated but um but and so that's like the key is like you people call you in and people hold you accountable because they want you to remain in their life. Like that is the biggest act of love. Yeah. Because they want the relationship to prosper. That is why um, accountability is an act of love. Mm. And I think too, like with this um, person who sent us the, the curious cat um, there's going to be a lot of discomfort in, in leaving something behind. Mm. I know like, that's what you were just talking about stevie about how it wasn't you know immediately like something that you felt great about but Mm -hmm. later on it was freeing um
1: immensely
0: like we're shedding skin when Mm -hmm. we grow and there's discomfort in that and with that comes you know with that comes leaving people behind but you can't feel guilt in leaving someone who wanted you to stay um at a certain level wanted you to stay smaller than you were wanted you to remain stagnant um because a relationship that was like that a person who wanted you to be that way was not a relationship for you in the first place
1: yeah
0: like if a relationship requires you to be the shrunken down version of yourself that isn't that is not the relationship for you no
1: not at all um
0: and um like i remember telling you stevie during that time it's like this is him being in your life is preventing you from other opportunities that will come your way
1: yeah,
0: um, and is preventing you from other energies that that are very, very positive from coming your way.
1: And it completely opened up a bunch of other doors and other things happened that were much better than, than that, which was something that was so stagnant
0: and absolutely
1: just disease ridden.
0: Yep. That's like a perfect way to describe it. Literally. And so I think too, like, going back to self-love and self-sabotage and sitting with everything, it's like you. sometimes you have to just sit in that discomfort. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Sometimes you have to let yourself take a step back because when you respond immediately, whether that's um, aggressively, whether that's defensively, whether that's out of fear, um, like I'm talking in your situation, um, if you had responded immediately, I feel like it would have been very apologetic, very,
2: Um, Yeah, because that's in a way that
0: pleased him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that that out of fear, obviously, like, you know, Mm -hmm. more serious things, if you have to act out of fear, that's completely separate. But in this situation, um, sitting with these feelings, and not letting Yourself react from a place of ego where this person has challenged something that you felt was so challenged, what you thought was your whole view of the world, and something that's so contradictory to what you believed to be reality. Like, take a step back and sit with the boundaries that have been presented to you, sit Mm -hmm. with what you're dealing with, and then um, respond later or react later. It's like nothing has to be instantaneous because nothing most yes. things won't well, be. It's, and then we live in a society um, that's
1: riddled, just riddled with instant gratification. Riddled it's like, and so much. you feel the pressure to, re- to reply immediately, always. <laughs> like there's, you feel like there's no space. And I just had this, we had this discussion the other day to where I was like, I should have waited a minute to respond to something. Um, and crazy how that perspective changes. And like, that's just because of the era of social media okay. and technology. And that's heightened in quarantine because people are like, well, what are you doing? There's like that heightened expectation to, to yeah. be on and ready to communicate at all times.
0: Well, and it's like, even if you're doing nothing, you still don't exactly. owe a Exactly. And you don't response. have to explain
1: what you were doing. You don't owe anybody that ever.
0: Absolutely you know? not. And so I was going to say, like, we got another question, which I thought was so funny, but- um, Yeah, don't read it? Do you have it up? That was about social media. Yeah, go for it. Wow, perfect transition. It's almost like That's we planned so it or crazy. something.
1: Hmm. Somebody else sent in and said, what are your thoughts on social media being a necessity? Recently, I deleted Instagram and before that Twitter and have muted everything on Facebook. I made a Tumblr for X-Files content. I still find myself addicted, but it makes me feel so much happier since I've made so many new friends. I really love to follow all these cool people you mentioned. but My brain can't take the news of the real world every minute of every day. Do you think having an all, do you think having all social media is necessary today to be fully integrated in society? I don't even know if that's a question, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that sort of thing. Well, listener. I don't know. My initial thought is that um, it's not necessary. I, I definitely don't think all social media is necessary. I think whatever social media you want to have is great. And like, if you're worried about being like connected with what's going on in the world, if you have one or, or a few trusty news sources that you like that you can keep up with and like monitor in a way that you can... So you're not like flooding yourself with information that's too much. And then I think that's amazing. I, I, it's definitely
0: not necessary. Um, I think it's, re- I think it's relative, right? Like um, I have met clearly um, some of, you know, the best people on the internet. I met my best friend on the internet.
1: I my mean, name m- is
0: Wow! Oh, how funny. Oh, that's so weird. Um,
1: I don't think, I don't feel like I met you on the internet.
0: I know me, that's a separate story, but, (laughs) um, but being queer, like I found, I don't have that, you know, in real life, Mm. that space, um, and people in that space, um, especially now. And so I found a whole community with, with more, with other queer women. And like, I follow people who truly just don't give a fuck. Like I follow women and non-binary people and I follow people who are unlike me, people who are like me, people who provide a sense of just overwhelming comfort in my life, things like that. And so I think it's 100% how you curate it. And it's really important to um, unfollow, block, mute. Yes. I am the first person to tell you to block or mute someone if they are um infiltrating your energy and your space in a bad way in any capacity. Um like you do not owe anyone that you owe no one
1: nothing. Social media is what you make of it. So why would you exactly. not curate that space to be the most safe and inspiring and happy and fun place that you have the power to do that?
0: Like Well it's also something that you're voluntarily engaging in. Exactly. So no like, why you to would be you be there. Why would
1: you interact with yeah. people? Why?
0: Exactly um, we're blocked by so, so
1: many people on Twitter.
0: So many people, and it's beautiful. You know what? It makes an, both
1: parties happier.
0: Absolutely. And there is an interview that Gloria Steinem did, um, and it was like, who was? Was it Larry King? Maybe. Um, but basically, she rich. was. Yeah, she was on video call with whoever the host was, and they were taking phone calls. And this woman called, and she was like hi um oh my gosh gloria i'm so happy to be talking to you right now and gloria being smart and very like jillian not being like oh my god thank you so much like just Mm -hmm. being like nodding her head like yeah cool she's the woman goes uh are you married? And Gloria's like, no. And then she said, do you have children? And Gloria was like, no. And then the woman was like, well, I'm thank God because you have no business being uh, a mother or bringing children into this world. And she's like, I think you should rot in hell. And Gloria was like, okay. (laughs)
1: Literally. It was so wild because the tone,
0: even when she said that the tone is like, so, so weird. She's, and then the host was like, so you're telling us, which I love that he did. Cause like, it was just made her look ridiculous. Yeah. She was like, the host was like, so you're telling us that your life is worse because Gloria Steinem is in it. <laughs> and she goes, absolutely. And it's like, honestly, that's the impact that I want to have on people who subscribe to beliefs that are so damaging and white feminism and racism and bigotry. And oh, yeah,
1: Absolutely.
0: So I hope my life is – I hope your life is worse because we are in it. Yeah. <laughs> Bigots. <laughs>
1: Bigots. Well, and it's like sometimes you get into really difficult situations where you have to call in your friends and you don't know it. – because it's like picking – you know, like pick and choose your battles. You don't know who's going to listen to you and war is an appropriate space to, ex- to um, export your energy. Okay. Because, like, why would that woman – she spent so much energy to call. That's it. exactly that she like. Everybody that disagrees with you, you don't need to like. You're not going to change people's minds. Not your like everybody's minds. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? It's important. Mm-hmm. To and also, you don't friends. you don't owe
0: them that exactly. It's like <laughs> like your people's perceptions of you have nothing to do with you yeah or how you define yourself not at
1: all it's letting people's opinions of you go and it's like it's not your job to teach everybody but but your friends and relationships that you value and ones that you know that you want that you want to keep in your life that's when it's important to call them in and be like hey we need to discuss this because you value that relationship but if it's just some random
0: fucker on the internet fucking stranger yeah exactly there's no need Um, yeah and like you don't owe anyone your vulnerability Mm -hmm. you don't owe anyone any space in your life um and that obviously goes for people who in real life who are toxic that goes for strangers on the street and that especially goes for strangers on the internet yes i don't know that i had anything else to say about that i mean i think it's hard for us because like there's a certain level of necessity in having social media for jobs, yeah. for things like that. I think as society shifts to be more dependent on social media, that dynamic becomes hard. Mm-hmm. You can stay up to date and you can be informed um, and you can create a profile, so to speak, of yourself that's presentable in a professional setting because that's really the only the, way I think that, it social media is a necessity. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know in other ways in, in my
1: field sometimes at auditions they will look at my not like yeah, when I'm I in bet. the room but like they'll look at my Instagram right. account and like things like that to see follower count or just to see how I'm presenting myself whatever um, right and so the, that that becomes like a career thing but again it's totally. like I have private accounts where I can go on there and interact in the ways that I want and then that one's just very much a presentable career thing or whatever it is totally um
0: yeah
1: so it, like, again, it's like again it's what you make of it and
0: totally but like if you're um, not
1: in a career where it's necessary to have instagram twitter or facebook and you're having fun on tumblr and you're making great friends and that feels good for your brain and you're not like fixating and becoming it's not becoming unhealthy then fucking go off that's great
0: that's the thing yeah as long as it's not becoming unhealthy as long as you're not seeking all of your validation from yeah what you see online and like the comments that people like then that that's the most important part. I think the most important approach to this question is: um, Are you grounded within yourself, yes. and um, and are you able to exist in a space online? It it ultimately also comes down to media literacy, mm, yeah. like being mm. able to navigate the world of media while being very grounded in in reality mm-hmm. and in yourself. Because mm-hmm. um, I think that's where it becomes. Um, harmful not only to you but to others as well um and yeah that's that's a whole other topic
1: we all all want some validation sometimes like every once in a while i'll post like a selfie that i know looks good because it feels good to have my friends be like you look hot and i'm like thank you but as long as we have and you
0: also know that it's coming from their heart like you know that who is going not like fishing for compliments it's like you know that you look hot and you're like Like Florence talks about all the time and you and I talk about this all the time. It's like, there is so much more dignity and so much more like, um, bravery Mm. and confidence in posting a selfie and being like, I look fucking hot today. Yeah.
1: And that's it. As opposed to like, as opposed to being like, Meh, like I don't really like the way yeah, I look. Like, and then
0: like fishing. for. Yeah. Coke. Like posting like- a pic,
1: like, let's say like, I just got my hair done and I post a picture and I'm like, my hair looks hideous, but I'm clearly posing and like look incredible on in the photo. <laughs> like it's, we all see what's happening here. And, and it's not even like I'm being it's very
0: transparent. And I'm not
1: even being a bitch about it. It's just like, it's not healthy for you.
0: It's not healthy at Like all.
1: that's not, exactly. you need to find that confidence within yourself and like.
0: <laughs> because ultimately that's what matters, right? Yeah. This, this world that you've created online isn't really you. No. It's a version of you. Exactly. It's a part of you. It's a perception of you. And so um, when you put that out there, that also becomes toxic, not only for yourself, but for others because they begin to feel like they are entitled to parts of you that you are not willing to put exactly. out
1: exactly and i think it's important to realize that like even the people that you talk to 24 7 are still not getting every part of you because there's some parts of you that are just for you and that's beautiful exactly. and there should be and that's how it should that's be it should yeah. be nobody exactly. isn't entitled to 100 percent of you at all ever um, especially partners like better half bullshit stop you're complete no, within you're, yourself and you don't have to reveal every bit of your yourself to other people sorry
0: you are whole on your own and also not everyone um deserves to know what um what fills you yep. and what makes you feel whole yep. um and so we thought that this would be a great transition um, i'm going to read a line from florence's book mm, yeah Um, She said, although we only know about 5% of their curated lives, still we project our own ideas about people to fill the gaps in what we know about them. Then, would you believe, we feel entitled to be disappointed when they don't turn out to be this person we made them out to be. (laughs) Um, And then she said, we end up breaking our own hearts by expecting too much from people. Um, And Stevie and I talk about this often Often. um, um, in relation to Jillian And the reason being, because she is one of these people, she is a version of herself in the public domain. And so it becomes hard when people have this idea of her, because we all do, and they all vary, And then when she doesn't live up to that, or when something contradicts that, or when she, you know, withholds something, we feel entitled to our original thought. Mm -hmm. We feel entitled to the information that she's withholding. It feels like a betrayal, Um,
1: but of what? There was no toxic. It's so toxic, and it's like Um, we—you could see every picture and read every interview and still not know her. You could be her boyfriend and still not know her. You could be her child and, like, you know, like you know. Yep. There's only so much you can know of somebody, no matter how close they are. You are to them, and and when it comes to celebrities, that that being so distant, you really don't know them. You can admire the things that you see, but you have to take it at face value. Like you cannot absolutely be getting your hopes yeah. up about this ver- this uh, an idyllic person that you've created. And then it goes into putting people on pedestals, which I know we've
2: discussed.
0: And so it's like ultimately like opening up, being vulnerable, expressing things about yourself should. all And I see this a lot on social <clears throat> media and. um I see this uh, form of, like, entitlement coming a lot from from the reactions to, like, Jillian being mm-hmm. vulnerable. All of those things should only um, be shared if it's going to help your healing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, that's, that's the ultimatum that you need to decide. If it's going to help your healing, that's when you open up about that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Not because you're expecting to get something back from the celebrity or from somebody exactly. else. Like Even with your friends, no. like...
0: You, no you, it's not people's not. job to heal you that's on and, you
1: and if you need more help then that's there's therapy and there's doctors and psychiatrists and and all of that is exactly. beautiful and wonderful and those are the people you can go to and be like i need tools and they
0: and it's, and it's also equally an act of love for a friend to refer you to other resources because it's, yes. their mental health is just as important as yours. This is something that I really struggle with and then we'll wrap this up. Really? But like, I really, really struggle with, um, and I'm still struggling with this, like inserting myself and like taking pride and being the friend that everyone needs and that everyone comes to. Mm. Um, and I really struggle with this, Balance because my entire life, all my dad has told me is like he 's the friend that like everyone comes to when they need mm-hmm. something, and all he does is complain about it, and I just thought that like that was life, and i couldn 't fathom a world where like a friend would come to me or a family member would come to me, and I would say no, yeah, because we call it loyalty and we call it devotion, and we call it love when really um it's just self-sacrifice. I like was going to that exact. You're sacrificing yourself <laughs> for the well-being of somebody else.
2: Yeah. And that's and it's, like, not it's not okay
0: because it's, it's like the oxygen mask analogy where it's like yes. you can't help someone else until you have your own oxygen mask on.
1: That's my favorite um, analogy to tell people and I'm the worst at taking that on.
0: And it's so jarring because that was like the only example I think I ever saw – of, of like, something in mainstream society being, like, take care of yourself before you take care of others. It's
1: one of the only ones I can think of, and it definitely, right? was my, my only, it was the most formative for me, like, the only And I think I that's yeah. why
0: it's so jarring for me, yeah.
1: like, oh, absolutely. Um,
0: well, it's and so also, it's like, like,
1: there's a certain amount of ego involved where you're, like, I'm the friend that can fix people, like, absolutely. I'm the one, and then you start getting your feelings Sort if somebody doesn't come to you about something, when really it's, like, absolutely. nothing, you can, ju- you can just offer your support in the way that you're able to give it and then they will ask for what they need and then you can communicate if you can ma- meet that need and that's all that can happen.
0: Well, because it's like, and I told Stevie and I had um, something kind of like this this morning, not really, but it led to the same thing where it yeah. was like, um because you end up feeling drained you end up feeling depleted yeah and that isn't good for you and it's not healthy for your other relationships but Mm -hmm. it's especially not healthy for you um felt like and I still feel like which I'm working through like I need to like give myself and that it's selfish for me to choose something that feeds me over a friend in need or Mm -hmm. a friend who wants who need who wants my attention or wants my presence um, and so that's unhealthy, though, because you end up moaning about it later and you end up bitching about it later, most likely to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And then you end up resenting the person who came to you for help for no reason. Yeah. And like that feeling is very, very, very real. Oh, yeah. Um,
1: and that that's what destroys your relationships. That absolutely. exact thing.
0: That exact thing. Um, and I felt that in so many, so many friendships over the years. Mm-hmm and so this morning like stevie and i were communicating something and like i told her after that like i was thinking about not telling her and not bringing it up and then and but what then a was beautiful just, conversation we ended up having such a beautiful conversation like, and i told her that like i i was feeling feelings of resentment i was feeling um feelings of annoyance for something you literally didn't even do, it was just my inability to speak up about it and to tell yeah. you that it made me um, feel a certain way, exactly. which is like, again, on me, it is 100% on you. It goes back to accountability. It goes back to boundaries. Um, Like lay out your truth.
1: Exactly. And the way that you worded it, you were like, hey, can I call you in on something because I love you and I think you'll want to know? And I was like, yeah. And then you told me and I was like, oh my God, I totally thought about that. And I should have trusted my instincts about it. And you were like, (laughs) yeah, and that's all. And and what doesn't fucking come down to that? And then literally that was the end of the conversation. Like that's all it took for it to be resolved. And then like what, and you were like, yeah, I would have held on to that all day and been annoyed over something. It was really very small.
0: And, and that's the thing. If it's not that simple, it's still okay. Yeah, exactly. Not everything is good, but, but it would have been so much more complicated if I hadn't said anything. Yes. Is the point. Exactly. Um, and so then I was like, after we had that conversation, I was like thinking about the last episode that we filmed mm-hmm. where the whole like Scully narrative of the, of the episode is like, trust your instincts. Mm-hmm. And then I just got mad all over again about how Mulder hijacked that, that whole that narrative. line at the end. My hunch,
1: fuck off. Mm.
0: I got so mad all over again, but then I was like, no, push through. This is a happy moment.
1: And speaking of um, annoying episodes. Uh, speaking of the x-files speaking of the x-files <laughs> speaking of um the x-files have you heard of that show um you know it's like this '90s I, alien
0: show i don't know let me tell you something i tell you this for um, free. i'll tell you this for free i watched the first episode and i gotta tell you it didn't do it for me didn't there's this like mm. redhead
1: agent that i feel like you'd like no
0: um are you saying that because of my attraction to mrs incredible yeah that's exactly
1: what i'm
0: saying what other redheads also rose Mm -hmm. and titanic Yep. who else surely there's more my Spanish, my teacher from middle school was she a redhead she was a redhead (laughs) wow that's very that's jarring a little bit we'll move on so that's why jillian is a redhead is my favorite i think anyways anyways
1: so the episode season one episode 22 called boarding in stinker it, it's a big old stinker yeah get ready this episode is going to be nothing but stinky so we open in buffalo new york two very stereotypical new york cops are going into the precinct and they run
0: into janice from friends and i never oh got
1: yeah i called and her janice the
0: whole time no. i never caught her name no um i don't watch friends Friends is not funny. I'm sorry. Oh, I don't like Friends, but that's why I know her from. This woman is in Seinfeld. Oh, is she? Yeah. (laughs) What was her name in Seinfeld? She just played this woman who, um, who dates George. Oh. Um,
1: I call her Janice the whole time because that was her name in Friends. Because I never caught her name. And then they
0: proceed to sexually harass her. Smiley face. I was going to say, we love sexism and objectification of the women straight off of the bat. First line. Yeah. Beautiful um i really like so her outfit stop flirting with women you work with yeah. for five seconds maybe.
1: maybe just for just for five seconds just give it a try see what happens um but i really like her outfit the, she has the red 90s vibes going the whole episode yeah so she leaves and she's walking out and she sees a little girl sitting by a dumpster looking sad and cold <laughs> and so she brings her back and the little girl's sitting by the dumpster like she was just smoking like Literally, smoking on her break
0: <laughs> on her break yeah
1: leaning on her knees like she's not the
0: smoking. one thing that i noticed about this episode is that they insert things that just have no no basis in reality whatsoever that would never happen like yeah. just so that the plot can like continue yeah like like just just so that it can like house i don't know yeah yeah yeah. like just so it can roll down the hill like (laughs) there's actual actually no um relevancy or uh or reason as to why this little girl would just be sitting outside of a dumpster but like that's kind of imminent to the rest of the plot
1: yep it's it's so odd So she brings a little girl back into the precinct because little girls aren't supposed to be squatting by dumpsters Um, and the girl won't talk so she brings in that shitty sexually harassing detective, Detective Barbola um, in to talk to the little girl to find out the little girl's name is Michelle Bishop she's got those creepy kid vibes like she is the face of a 30 year old and then suddenly a detective man is flying out the window
0: Yeah, whoopsie he just eats himself out the window I wasn't (laughs) sad about it at all
1: so cut to our agent talking to Janice (laughs) Um, I wrote, I'm so sorry, I missed her fucking name, so that's what she's gonna be called. She says, Scully's that,
0: depression bangs are strong as fuck.
1: Yeah, it, this is full fledged depression bangs. Um, Love them. She says, Barbara never, or she's talking, Janice says to Scully that Barbara never won any popularity contests there. And I'm like, yeah, well, he sexually harassed you, what well, seemed like on the daily. Um, <laughs> but because he's a capital C cop, she can't let the case rest. And that is bullshit written by white men. Face. So Scully asked what the little girl said, and it's found out that the little girl claimed that there was another man in the room, but of course Janice is like, there's no way
0: um, also did Janice said that um, Scully s- suggested that like maybe he took his own life, and then Janice is like, no, um, something about him looking into the, like looking in a mirror and loving and he, like, what he saw and loving what he saw suggesting that like depression is based on whether or not you think you're hot." <laughs>
1: If you're hot, so like you this can't is news be depressed. To me. That's a
0: fact. Yeah, like I am simple. Like you just wake up and you're like, I'm gonna be hot today, and because of that, I'm not
1: gonna be depressed. <laughs> yeah, I didn't Too know that. Easy. Did that just solve all your problems? So easy. So easy.
0: <laughs>
1: the X Files cures depression. I talk about mental health later in this because they start to shame meds a little bit. So then they go and oh, Mulder. Yeah. So then they go and visit Michelle. So they go and visit Michelle and get her to do a police sketch thingy and Mulder makes her laugh, which triggers my daddy issues. And then the computer glitches. Oh my God.
0: Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Um, hold on. Scully's wearing the pinstripe suit again. But it's like the same exact pinstripe suit. Yeah. Uh And like uh, Jillian is not the same size. (gasps) It's like so clearly like stretching at her boobs like so clearly just wanting to bust open like they
1: didn't make an attempt to get her clothes that would adjust to her size at all like she looks so uncomfortable
0: the clothes in this episode are trash especially because that suit was like one of the suits that fit her well Mm -hmm. like when she was not pregnant yeah and so now that she is pregnant it um, doesn't fit her well crazy how that works huh all of those clothes that they gave her that she was swimming in earlier somehow vanished. Yeah. I don't know where they were. Where all this
1: giant fucking blazer she was wearing <laughs> the first few episodes? Now they only have the tight pinstripe suit and that's all she gets.
0: Um and all I wanted to say about the Mulder making that joke to make Michelle laugh mm-hmm. is like, Thank God Scully was not there because I know her <gasps> legs would have flown open. Oh yeah. <laughs> God. Jesus. Just,
1: she would feel like, everyone needs to leave the room right now. Everyone needs to like go.
0: Everyone, wrap this up.
1: Wrap it up. I have some business to take <laughs> care of. FBI official business between my
0: legs. Except for it's so weird to imagine her um, Scully having sex because Jillian was pregnant.
1: Yeah, I don't like thinking about it's the weird. assault Scully being having sex.
0: Yeah, It
1: feels
0: because... disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> Not that it feels disrespectful, because I love when Scully's pregnant. I love smut. When Hello? Right. Can I speak? Yeah, I love pregnant Scully smut. <laughs> All right.
1: The d- computer glitches and shows um, exactly what the man looks like. So Scully talks to, I wrote mother. Oh, yeah, it is mother. <laughs> Scully talks to Michelle's mother. Yes. And she says that when she got home, the nanny was locked in the wine cellar. <laughs>
0: It's really hit home for me. And Michelle was gone. Wait, doesn't her mom say she's not like other girls? Oh, yeah. No, I (laughs)
1: haven't.
0: She's a cool girl. The
1: mother says that Michelle has gone through four nannies in the last year, and it's only April, and that Michelle is absolutely the issue, (laughs) and that she's a disturbed (laughs) child. And she says she's not like other girls ages the Scully.
0: She's a cool girl. She's a
1: cool girl. (laughs) Um maybe this episode's funny.
0: So she says, "Michelle, it's <laughs> funny when you have to when you have to explain the plot." Oh yeah.
1: She, she says, "Michelle sees things and hears people yelling in her head. She's also horrified of water. You know, just girly things. She's not like other yes. girls." Um she also said that her husband left her. I don't know why that was a necessary detail to include, but sure. So then um Michelle throws an origami hawk at Walter. <laughs> made me feel like i was high and i wasn't totally Um, a bad trip (laughs) he throws she throws his origami hawk at Mulder from the window while they're talking
0: because they all stop talking and the camera is still on michelle's mom scully and Mulder. they just stop talking they pan up to michelle this entire scene is silent oh yeah michelle throws the paper hawk still silent the camera pans back down to the three of them and it lands on the ground and still silent and molder bends down picks up and is like what's this (laughs) or um or no he says where did she learn this or yeah because scully was like what
1: is this and the woman was like it's origami and giant and um giant (laughs) and molder was like it's japanese paper folding (laughs) okay (laughs) molder (laughs) oh boy all right that scene was so awkward so awkward so then Mulder asked the other agent to give his daughter a ride home when the when Mulder asked the other agent to give Scully a ride back without he's just like can you give Scully a ride back and she's like what the fuck I thought we were doing an autopsy he's like you're doing an autopsy I'm gonna go do something else
0: I know. She was like, wait, we have an autopsy date, though. Yeah,
1: and she was really sad about it. And, like, splitting up is fine, but him being like, okay, you take Scully back as a way to tell her to communicate that he's going to do something else is like, I know, huh? I know. So then he tells her to check the body for lesions and burns because psychokinesis usually has something to do with electrical charge. Just mold things. Naturally.
0: Yeah. Like we're like fifteen minutes into the episode and like Mulder's already solved it. And, so and Mulder's
1: like, let's got just it. wrap it up. Yeah, so let's just end it why here. Are the rest Good of job, the everyone. Mulder. So Scully is obviously like the fuck, but they don't discuss it. So then Mulder goes and talks to Michelle's psychiatrist, who doesn't recognize the man from the sketch, and then proceeds
0: to Who says? <laughs> she says, when she says, I have no idea who this man is. It reminds me of that Kiki Palmer. Um <laughs> <laughs> that the yes. Kiki Palmer meme.
1: I don't know who this is. So funny. So then she proceeds to tell Mulder all the creepy shit that's been going on with Michelle. Apparently this little girl has some extreme rage and she like massacres dolls in the exact same way. And the doctor was just like, I don't really know what's happening. So then she says that she has Michelle on Thorazine, and Mulder seems very judgy about that.
0: And it's like... He's like literally bordering on telling a psychologist how to do her job. Yeah. Uh-huh, and exactly. And He's like, well, I mean, I wouldn't do that, but okay. And it's like, literally. Let's hear, let's hear your reasoning.
1: <laughs> Psychiatric medication is nothing to be ashamed of, and if you need meds in any way, you aren't broken or crazy. Sorry, I got, I got really angry about this, and I was like writing, because one of my friend's psychiatrists says that your mental health is like an equation, and medication helps simplify the equation. So it doesn't solve the root of the like emotional problem, but it does mm. help, and there's no shame in needing that help.
0: Anyways, that's a good point because I didn't think about that because, of course, in my mind, I was like, wow, medicating a child seems drastic, Um, but I totally see that side of it, too, and I didn't even think about that. That is fucked. Yeah,
1: and then they discuss it later, and I really get angry about it later when they discuss the
0: medication Mm. again.
1: So, cut to pregnant jillian doing her autopsy nope
0: in her little scrubs and her little uh, scrubs
1: and like she does see evidence of electrocution much to her dismay and then janice comes in She's like fuck yeah. then janice comes in and is like hey can you come here and she's like no and, she- <laughs> <laughs> and Scully's like no i can't she's like no come on <laughs> I mean it. <laughs> she dies.
0: Scully Scully's like, I literally just started the autopsy. And
1: she's like, he's not going anywhere. And she's like, Yeah, but it's my fucking time, bitch. Like what? Yeah. Anyways. Um Janice found the guy that Michelle ID'd, and he w- ends up that he was an old um agent at the precinct, but he's actually been dead for nine years.
0: Um, and I also want to say, too, this really upset me because during the scene I don't know that we've seen Jillian in like one of the hairnets. I think yet. Maybe one other time, but that's it. One other time. And of course they choose to put her in a hairnet, like when her face is a lot fuller because of her pregnancy. Yeah. And she was probably she was definitely very self-conscious because she touched her face and then she touched her I neck. Know. You could just like, she tell, like tell she like yeah. was trying to like fidget and like trying to like get something in her face because that's how she felt more comfortable and it's like really you couldn't have given her just like a little hat so she could keep her hair in a little ponytail or something like she clearly
1: was like god damn it because she probably felt self-conscious enough because they clearly made a bit like everybody made a big stink about her fucking pregnancy including apparently the wardrobe department who wouldn't get her another goddamn suit like how way to make somebody feel like a burden in literally every way this guy that Michelle ID'd, um, who's dead, was, like, brutally murdered, like, kind of excessively so,
0: um, um, in Chinatown? That doesn't exist in Buffalo.
1: Yeah, I, well, uh. So many things didn't seem like Buffalo,
0: and it would have been such a such a quick Google.
1: Okay, so then cut to Mulder being a fucking brat with Scully about not believing, and they do that thing where she says, "Sometimes looking only for extreme possibility makes you blind to the co- probable cause right in front of you," which is true. But oh. then they immediately prove her wrong.
0: Like she says, "Explanation," but oh. that's okay. I was trying. I was trying to mouth it along with you, and then you fucked up the line. Actor, you're the actor here. But okay, let's continue. <laughs>
1: I wrote it down wrong. <laughs> I apologize, your majesty. <laughs> we
2: have
1: respect for one another personally. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> the point is Is that she says something that- <laughs> Can't put my place. So she says something that's true, and then they immediately prove her wrong. Like immediately in the discussion of how he was oh, murdered with how she fell, yes. like right after she says that. And I'm like,
0: I made a note of that too. I so she says that Michelle saw the picture of the guy who yeah. died, who who she, you know, whatever, um, because she walk before walking to the room there was a picture yeah, of him. Which
1: is a really smart observation.
0: Absolutely. And something a child would do. And also, um, just to piggyback off off of what you said, I also hate how they have her say the thing that then gets proven wrong with the same level of confidence and conviction as Mulder. Like they could just have her say it. Yeah, she, it doesn't right? have to be this. But they have her they have her say it as if she th- believes that it is a fact, which she would never exactly, do. Exactly,
1: because she it's so Because both
0: of them like it's very okay for them to both be using phrases that suggest that they're relegating each each uh, each of their respective mm-hmm. theories without making Scully have to be put back in her place every time
1: literally it's like she tries right? to climb like, out and like, they're like get back in your hole bitch
0: totally like, like they could they, like they could frame it as like equal partners both establishing and expressing their theories theories being the operative mm-hmm. word have a very, very equal and equitable discussion and discourse back and forth about whether or not that would be the case, but they have Scully say these things with such conviction as if she believes them to be fact. And I think that that's their way of making her a skeptic and making her rational. Is like she can't be a rational partner without saying things with confidence and, and, and they like they strip her of the ability to think critically. Yeah. Right, like because the reality is that she would never say something this early on in a case as if it were fact yeah. and yet they make her do that so and that they can prove her wrong, wrong
1: so it has that much weight
0: so that the blow is that yep. much harder yeah so
1: then they talk about how um the way that the man was murdered is the same <laughs> way that fucking michelle tortures her
0: dolls <laughs> Which like Mulder knew to ask for the details of Morris's death, and then that automatically connected that to the dolls. Like, don't you just love when you just ask all the right questions right off of the bat scream. every time?
1: <laughs> so, so they go to um, They go to Morris's old partner's house to chat. And this guy's very sus. His name's Tony. And um, oh he lies about God. his wife being asleep, which Scully brilli- brilliantly notices, which is one thing that I love.
0: His wife is um, stunning. His wife is beautiful. Obviously. Her name is Anita.
1: We'll talk about that. And her also,
0: later. this guy is in another episode. Is he? Yeah, he's in the bug episode. He's also in Mad Men. What bug episode? He's in the bug episode. I think it's like in season five, maybe. Um, where like he's working at a place and he thinks that his boss is Oh a boss. my god, that's him? That's Holy him, Holy yeah. shit. Um, which is so interesting to me because like I wonder, did they just need another person and like he was looking for work or did like they see his performance in this episode and go yeah, he'd be good to bring back. I, don't know. I feel like the acting pool in doesn't Vancouver ma- was small. Doesn't matter. Yeah. But, no, that's interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. There's a lot of repeat um, actors that happens quite a bit. Totally. Um, I also want to say, too, um, I don't know what, what brought on this comment, but um, at this point, I just wrote down that I think it was a little earlier, but I missed it, so I'll <laughs> say it now. But I hate that Mulder is the driving force, capital D, capital F. Like, this yep. partner may be foundationalized in equal footing, um, and they may respect each other equally, debatable, but <laughs> Mulder in his pursuit – like his way, is always the cause for momentum. Yeah, no,
1: he's never working with her. He does
0: not value her like, opinion. And even, even, the, even from a writer's perspective, like it's always, it's always something. He's always at the center of the momentum in the case. Yep. So it's like there's something, there's something here about how like men lead and women follow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that just comes down to uh the misogynistic yeah and everything. that's so that, ingrained that's what i mean it's, it's like, like that
1: kind of misogyny is is so unconscious which is what makes it almost the worst kind to where it's like they wouldn't yeah, even think totally. to scully to put her in the center of the like the momentum like they wouldn't think to center the the um the movement of the plot around something that happens to her something that she realizes it's not even a thought
0: and even in episodes where she does um, do the majority of the work that, like, leads to the most, um, the most movement in the case, she isn't, um, she's, she's not the, she's not the force. leader yeah. in that. Like, she isn't rewarded for that. It always gets. It's not acknowledged. Um, it's
1: usurped hijacked by something. by yeah. Mulder. See the last episode with
0: Mulder's fucking hunch. Exactly. Exactly yeah. that.
1: So, so um. They're talking to Tony, and he's talking about how there was, like, this shit with triads in Chinatown. I don't know. He's making up that there was this whole underground thing, and that's why Charlie Morris died. I don't really care. Then his wife comes out, Anita, um, and then suddenly he's so rude to Scully. But um, Scully points out that he lied about her being sleeping because she had baking powder on her hands. And I was like, go, girl. Now, So then Tony goes to some man's office in, like, an insurance building, and he's all paranoid that the FBI is going to turn something up. So there's obviously something deeper happening here. Um, so then, go
0: ahead. It feels like this is a scene from The Godfather. It does,
1: all of a sudden, out of nowhere, like...
0: We find out that the cops set up their own man and then framed it on a minority community. Love like, that. Like, what a fun plot for a science fiction show about things that are make-believe.
1: I don't... Maybe someone didn't tell them this is a science fiction show. Maybe they weren't well, it's like, aware.
0: It's just another example of these white male writers making plot out of a very traumatic and damaging and real experience of... That people of color deal with. Yep, and just exactly. making it some fun, quirky science fiction.
1: And they do that kind of with Michelle's mind later. Like they don't treat her like a like a an totally. actual young girl. It's like yeah, it's, yep. It's just a mind to be probed. So then <laughs> Tony's. <laughs> why the last scene is so bad (laughs) oh it's so bad so tony is like freaking out with this guy he's like he really wants to go get their safety deposit box that has over two million dollars in it he wants to dump it and the other guy's like no um so then the other guy leaves the insurance guy um and then he gets supernaturally murdered on a bus and um, (laughs) michelle is on the bus yeah
0: when he's one the other partners walking down the street yeah this like old homeless woman pops up out of an alley <laughs> and is like, "Excuse me, sir," and she looks like the lady from that one hoarders episode where the daughter like. Walks oh yeah, in where she's and laughing and she's like, "Oh and- my god!" And she's like,
1: <laughs> 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 "That woman really said this is gonna be my moment."
0: Yeah, that she looks like her.
1: Good for her. Um, it's so funny she comes. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> So, fun fact, the bus driver changes. So it's a black guy who does most of the acting, but then they cut to a driving shot and it's a white guy with glasses. Oh my god, this episode is so <laughs>
0: shit. Also, when he's... When he's <laughs> and yet, we have, a, we have a shifting bus driver and we're supposed to focus on this child who's sitting on a bus alone. Who's watching this man be murdered like... Also, like, he got his tie stuck in the door, but it's like, my guy, all he had to do was jump up on the ledge.
1: Yeah, I don't, if, I feel like there were ways there to was get out little, of that, but... There
0: was a little ledge, like, before just, the door. He, he lifted up his feet and he said, this is the end. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I can't run anymore. <laughs>
1: he was like, me in
0: PE in seventh grade, just let me go. The way that his tie, no, his scarf gets wrapped around the pole on the bus what is why can she move objects i talk about this more later on but like what does it have to do with anything
1: like because it's her she's reincarnated so she also has telekinesis duh sweet
0: (laughs) all right sweet sweet yeah
1: we'll talk about that more later yeah so cut to them telling michelle's mom that a man was murdered and michelle was there again (laughs)
0: Scully's like, she's seen two people Don't die murder. in the last 48 hours. She's like, do you get that? Like,
1: what the fuck's happening? Um, so then Janice comes over, and of course Scully stays to comfort her because she's the woman. And Janice pulls Mulder away to tell him that the insurance guy who died used to be a cop who worked with the other guys. Wild. Cut to Mulder and Scully alone in some classroom trying to figure out the connections. And, like, I know we were just saying we don't like to picture this Scully fucking because Jillian's pregnant, but, like, wouldn't it be hot if they fucked in this room, like, late oh, at night?
0: I was thinking, oh. What were you thinking? I was thinking, like, first of all, her glasses. Oh, so cute. Oh, my God. Okay. Her glasses. But, like, also, I was thinking that, like, maybe it would be cute if, like, <laughs> like, like her and me we're like okay. in a private study room. Yeah. And like, like in college? We won't, like, we won't kiss, but like maybe we will, you know? <clears throat> I like it. Like, we just had like this huge breakthrough. Yeah. And then.
1: You deserve it more than Mulder. So, Scully notices there's a page gone from the homicide file and that Tony checked out the file this afternoon. Like, what dumbass? Obviously, he took it. Like, what thought process? That was so easy. <laughs> So, then they go back to Tony's house, because they know he fucking stole a file out of the file. And um, his (laughs) wife is there, and she says that Tony never came home. Then they find a bunch of origami, and they find
0: out- Sounds like a you problem. Yeah.
1: So, they find a bunch of origami, and they find out that Tony's wife also used to be married to Charlie. And I can't quite (laughs) articulate what's wrong with this, (laughs) but there's something wrong. (laughs) <laughs> like, exactly. my sexism dar is going off, but I I can't quite articulate what about it.
0: This woman married Morris and then his partner when Morris died. How scandalous. I know. As if, and also as if she would still keep the origami in her house. Like, on display in the house that she's now married to his partner living like, in. Tony is being cocked by Morris from his grave. <laughs> That's got to be the title. Okay. Cocked from the grave.
2: <gasps>
0: That's so good. <laughs> and then also, like, again, the way that the f- they force plot and connections in this show is truly something of just pure, pure
1: tragedy. I can't believe money went to this. Like, money went to making this episode a good amount. And then Anita says, I was waiting for him to come home, too, just like this. And we love a woman used to just increase the tragedy count in episode we. So then, and she's also a woman of color, which doesn't fucking help. Mulder then thinks that this little girl is Charlie reincarnated. He's right, but he shouldn't be.
0: Yeah, 100%. And also, he thinks that it's it's him because he says that Michelle was roughly conceived at the same time that Morris died. No, she wasn't. (laughs) No, she wasn't. Women are not pregnant for a year. It happened nine years ago, and Michelle's eight. So yeah. plus nine months. Yeah. They're a couple months off. He's stupid. Like, it would have been wild if he had been killed at the exact same time. That she was born that or something. Born, or that she- that would couldn't. make more sense. That
1: would be a better plot device.
0: But it's like, like, like rather this is than- so... <laughs>
1: like this isn't even close you're you're months off he's like the spirit floated around for a few months and then went into her and then also that saying that the second the child is conceived it is fully
0: human and the spirit is there which is which isn't true because if you have an iud um you every time you um have a fertilized egg the iud kills that and so you're really just having a lot of mini abortions if you believe that conception that um life starts at conception it doesn't. It doesn't. That's really
1: interesting. I didn't know that about HMDs.
0: <clears throat> yes. I'm looking into one. That's Are you thinking normal. about getting one? My, my gyno explained it to me very well. Um, Yeah, I am. But then, like, I read a bunch of horror stories about I'm them. I'm scared I'm of getting them. a non-copper one, though. I'm, or fair. a non-hormonal one, I mean. Yeah. And now I'm scared, but also, like, I've endured a lot of pain. I feel like I can do it. That's very fair.
1: It's not necessarily <laughs> the pain that scares me. It's just, mm, it, I don't know. It just kind of freaks me out. It but I fully support you too. if you're wanting to get that. My mom had a non-hormonal one. And she said for the first few months, she was like bleeding so heavily that she could not leave the house. Like she was filling up a super plus in like an hour. And then... Um, Even with
0: a non-hormonal with the, one? With a
1: non-hormonal one, yeah. Like it. Oh, but, then, but then she adjusted. But it was like a few months of like... But that didn't happen God, to damn. any of her friends who had it. But all of her friends had the hormonal ones, I think, that took away your period. So
0: Interesting. That's so weird that that would... That that would do something like that.
1: Yeah, well, it's like a, it's an intruder inside. So, yeah. I
0: mean, it makes sense. I wonder if they, like, like put it in wrong.
1: Well, it ended up being fine. She had it in for quite a few years. And she, her gynecologist said that sometimes that happens.
0: Wild. That's wild. Right?
1: Wow. Um, but I've just, ever since getting my colposcopy, I don't want my um, cervix touched.
0: <laughs> again, yeah. Ever again. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean.
1: Um, but if you get it and you want support and I'm there, I'll go with you. Thanks. you're welcome i'll hold your hand you better <clears throat> oh duh my god
0: um i also don't even want to be dating men right now so i don't even need birth control but that's a different subject um um that detail of being like a couple months off makes that such a waste of of oxygen literally that exactly line, like what oh, uh, what does that have to do with anything? It's like, why
1: wouldn't you just make his death day the same day as her birthday? Why wouldn't you just do that? It's so much exactly. easier. So, then because Mulder thinks that the little girl is Charlie, she gets her hypnotized, which of course ends up being whoa, whoa, whoa. wait, whoa,
0: whoa, wait, wait, whoa, wait, wait. Um, um, when they're walking and talking still, Mulder and Sc- like when they leave the house yeah. and they're walking and talking, I really like that Scully here is not believing in reincarnation and then Jillian went and re- wrote an entire episode about <laughs> Scully's relationship with Eastern religions. I love that
1: so much. Jillian said, also, fuck you guys.
0: Seriously. And also, like, the title itself is so white. Born and Again? So, Shut up. Like, Born Again implies like birth, representative of beauty and new beginnings and miracles, blah, 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 blah reincarnation is not you can't equate that to birth no nope. in most eastern religions
2: mm-hmm.
0: like reincarnation means you've wronged in a past life and have come back so that you can right those wrongs and the wrongs of the thing or person that you've come back as yeah. like but it's been so westernized as this ideal idealized choice when it's not it's exhausting and you're finally free once you're reborn into like the sea of souls, but not when you reincarnate. So it's like what born again, what? Yeah, it, no, nothing, nothing makes sense. Do you know what I mean? I like the implication of that is like, it's so Westernized. Yeah. It just like proves the Western view of reincarnation, mm-hmm. which is so far off. It's so wild. From, from what I've, I've studied, obviously, right. neither of us practice Eastern religion, no. but um, yeah. It's just a whole thing. Throw the whole when thing away. It again. yeah, yeah. There's so much to unpack here. Let's just throw the whole suitcase throw away. Throw the whole thing away.
1: Um, so they go and they get the little girl hypnotized, which of course ends up being so traumatic for her um, and reveals a lot of details about Charlie's death. But who cares about a female's well-being? Not the X-Files Wider's room. That's for sure. And then this is, okay, this is the moment where the psychiatrist is like, this could push her into a permanent mental breakdown that she could not recover from. And Mulder is like, is it any more dangerous than pumping her full of Thorazine? And I'm like, yeah, bro, it is. It is more dangerous than that. So then Michelle's mom stops it, as she should, and Mulder throws a fucking fit. And here's just another example of Mulder caring more about proof of the supernatural than the well-being of the people involved in the case. Like, And even Scully calls him out on it. He's like, you saw that in there? And she's like, what I saw was a traumatized little girl. Like, step the fuck – Like, his lack of empathy is such a huge issue, but they make Scully's closed-mindedness the issue.
0: Yeah. No, yeah, 100%. Um, uh, On a lighter note, uh, before I get into it, I love Scully's big collar. (laughs) I love it anyways but yeah Scully like rips Mulder a very necessary and very new asshole um, and tells him that even if everyone believes Michelle possesses Morris's soul that a jury will never believe that so she says we still won't have an actionable case and it's also the third time that Scully is telling Mulder the exact same thing um that his willingness to believe makes him blind Mm -hmm. and that he thinks he needs to think long term and not be so short-sighted and to think about other people's lives um like this traumatized little girl like you said and it's like women say on average 30,000 words a day well men only say 15,000 and it's because women have to repeat ourselves
2: oh that's so
0: often And And this is a perfect example of that. And the
1: thing is, is that it's like, we see this as like her ripping him a new asshole, but it is framed in the writing as her just challenging him and being closed-minded. And that's the hurdle he has to overcome. Like, it's not like her ripping him a new asshole isn't validated. No. And it's like, Scully actually isn't closed-minded. She's incredibly open-minded. She just needs more evidence because she doesn't jump to goddamn conclusions. And she actually prioritizes the victims over finding proof of the supernatural. And, like, I really liked when Scully was like, dude, if you even, like, let's say you convince Michelle's mom to let you do it again and you get all the information you could possibly hope for, it stills not going to be an actionable case,
0: so. And I also made a note that, like, this episode is trying to be Chinga from, like, season five or Ooh, something. yeah. Um, and it just didn't work, and it's just not scary in any way. <laughs> oh, nothing about this
1: is scary. So cut to Mulder journaling while he's watching uh, the fucking hypnotist tape, and then there's a glitch in the tape, and of course he finds, like, a face or something in in the static. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, <laughs> novel. Naturally. That's a novel one. Yeah. So cut to Tony's wife, Anita. Um, she's waiting for her husband. She gets a knock at the door. Not her husband, but an origami drum. J- <laughs> <laughs> mm, yeah, for sure. So, cut to Mulder and Scully um, back at the pro back there with this profiling man, and he's clearing up the static image that Mulder found.
0: Scully's wearing a long vest, and oh, it's hideous!
1: Oh, it's so bad! Oh, do you like the long vest? I'm so sorry. I take it all back. <laughs> I really don't. I don't like the vest. I'm sorry, but go. I'm gonna cut out what I said. Praise her.
0: It's been broke so many times, don't (laughs) know what to believe.
1: Talk about the vest.
0: So the vest, right? It's a long vest. Mm -hmm. And I found it really hot because all I was imagining is like her whipping that out in like season four or five and like just wearing that and nothing else.
1: Okay. Well, that's different. (laughs) (laughs) You you can't fucking look at me and tell me the outfit she was in (laughs) was good.
0: It was just in a different way. Okay. It's good in a different way because the bottom was unbuttoned because of her tummy.
1: Yeah, it just wasn't. I support you. She looks like it's just not flattering. It's not.
0: <laughs> she looks like she looks like the manager at a at a like a Burger King or something.
1: She looks like a flying nun. <laughs> so then Janice comes in and the first thing she says is, "Agent Scully, you were right." My favorite fucking song. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Favorite. Yep. And I love the dynamic between her and Scully because she literally walks in ow, blows past Mulder, Oh yeah says you were says you were right, mm-hmm. Agent Scully, and then they proceed to have a com- proceed and then they proceed to have a conversation excluding Mulder, and Scully makes a joke, and like it's just some great energy. It's just great energy because Mulder's left the fuck out, and I love it yep. um they and like she stands. So that, like, so that Scully has to turn her back to Mulder, which I also it's really like. It's absolutely beautiful.
1: So they found yep. the original autopsy report that was backed up by a pathologist, and it turns out that Morris died by drowning, um, and that they did the injuries after postmortem to make it look like a signature execution.
0: So um, two things. One, Mulder says who could influence this guy, who could influence undeveloped film. He could create shapes on the negative from his mind. That's the plot for Unruhie. In season four, or season three, or whatever.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It, so then, so he died by drowning, and they did all the injuries after to make it look like it was a signature execution, um, but there was only evidence of water around his head and neck, um, and it's interesting because it's seawater.
0: Um, second thing is that what Scully says that he dies from, um, you can die from that, but um, you need a pulse to determine...
1: If somebody had that. that,
0: and so it can't really be marked in an autopsy. Wow, interesting. Uh, because it's kind of hard to find a pulse on a dead person.
1: That's so interesting. Apparently, oh, that's some bullshit. Yeah. Somebody didn't research
0: again. A little Google. Again. <laughs> little I know they Google didn't really have
1: Google about. there, but
0: they could fucking research. Especially because Scully's a doctor. Yeah. And, like she. Would, she would know she that. Would know that. <laughs>
1: So, cut to Tony running around very suspiciously, um, and he finally gets home, and he tells Anita um, to pack her bags, and that somebody's trying to kill him, and then he screams at her when she questions why, because, like, duh, of course she's gonna ask some goddamn questions, and he's like, will you just do what I'm asking? I'm your husband, and, like, I was just mad with capital M.
0: He really really said, I love you. That's why I just screamed in your face violently. And I'm not communicating anything with you, even though it involves a threat to both of our lives.
1: And she was like, okay, because she's in a position that doesn't have any power. So, of course. So, then cut back to Scully and Mulder with that tech guy. um, And... I feel bad for that tech guy. He has no name, but he's doing a ton of work in this episode. Um, mm-hmm. And so he finds the picture and he clears it up, and it's the fucking diver from the fish tank in Tony. No,
0: why? it's George Lopez from Spy Kids. Jesus
1: Christ.
0: <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> That's who it is. So
1: funny. Yep, you're right. So, of course, Mulder fucking knows exactly where this image is from and why exactly it's appearing. Because um, apparently it was, he's like, it's from his own fish tank. He was drowned in the fish tank and that was the last thing that he saw before he died. Duh. He's like, he, saw, he was watching George Lopez and Spy Kids right before he died. And that's how it happened.
0: From the position of the body, you can tell that the TV was on because he was watching TV.
1: Name an episode where we won't bring that up. I don't think it'll happen.
0: It won't happen because it's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. This This might be on par with how ridiculous that one is. Yeah,
1: I think so. So cut to Tony Packing. And Anita's asking about the origami that showed up at the door because that was fucking weird. And then the lights go out and then he shuts her in the room and the door locks by itself. Um, Tony starts being attacked by some invisible force downstairs. Michelle appears and just like is watching as this happens. And then Mulder and Scully show up and they hear a bunch of crashing. And then there's really bad special effects. And Michelle's like looking around and destroying the house with her eyes because she also has telekinesis.
0: Like that's the thing that i don't understand there's no this episode is bad for a lot of reasons but it's bad um partially because of this detail that seems to have no root at all in anything because like there's no definitive explanation for why this girl can move objects unless morris was a fucking wizard
1: yeah
0: like and so because of that there's no real sense of urgency or intrigue in the episode because things are just happening without any explanation Mm. and no relevancy to her body being inhabited by Morris like that's the plot
1: yeah that's a really good point that that's why there's no urgency because it's just like like,
0: they're just pulling things out of their ass like also this was she was supposed to be a boy but then in casting like none of the boys were were good enough so they hired her mm.
1: good for her go that actress
0: yeah, but like even, even so, so, I it must have like so weird. They don't want to. Th- also, that would have just made the special effects even worse if they had to try. <laughs> they had to try to film and like CGI oh, and God. like you know it been so make horrible. a child look like they were killing a grown person. And it's like adult. if you're
1: finding that you're having this many problems when you're trying to write the episode, maybe change your concept.
0: I don't know. There was a lot of drafts of this episode. I believe, really? like a lot. Yeah, they should have. And just I have some. Co- it. I have quotes from the literal director of of the show, really, or of the episode. Yeah, I'll
1: read <laughs> them. It's really funny. Okay. So then Michelle is destroying the house with her mind. Tony apparently is like, "Oh yes, Charlie, it's you." <laughs> He's like, "I'm sorry that we murdered you for money." He's like, "You were just—if you would have just not told on us, we wouldn't have killed you." Um, Anita's Mm -hmm. screaming, Scully goes to get her, Mulder goes down to the action, then they all convene in the living room, and Tony, like, admits- Okay, action,
0: though? Yeah, like, no. Like, the change- there's, like, a really weird change of pace here, because, like, Michelle's throwing shit all over the house. She's, like, um, having- having things be thrown at Tony, she breaks a vase over his head- and then like Scully like very calmly walks up the stairs. She's like goes to the wife and she's like, What's up? And they
1: open the door and they just kind of look at each other for a minute. Like yeah. they truly just stand yeah. there. They were like, Hey.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so there's like this weird change of pace. And then they go downstairs and like there's these four adults standing in front of this child. And like shit
1: breaking. I swear to nothing, God, the same picture like, shatters five times. Like they got they totally. show the same shot.
0: Totally um yeah it's 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 such such a horrible episode
1: so then like tony admitting to knowing what they did appeased charlie i guess and then michelle slash charlie shatters the the fish tank was it when he was saying that he just wanted to take care of anita so now that anita's there like i don't know what it yeah, is but that was like a whole weird i don't bit. know what stopped charlie from killing tony but all of a sudden the room turns blue not sure if anybody is seeing this or not, because nobody's really reacting. Um, then the fish tank, like, bubbles and explodes, and the lights come back on, and everything is fine. And Scully goes to Michelle some, and takes the gun that was on the floor and leads her away.
0: Some, some fish busted ass. <laughs> in a <the> fish tank. <laughs> it was
1: a fucking the, puffer fish from Finding me. And the, the stench was so great that it exercised Charlie Moore's spirit from... yeah
0: that's basically what happened and also you know you know what tony um talking to anita reminded me of Hmm. fucking dead to me it's a real life dead to me because charlie or fucking oh what's his name tony was like um like i got i like weaseled my way into anita's life because i felt (gasps) yeah i felt bad that we killed her husband that's why he
1: married her is because he felt bad yes that's so fucking weird so it's like
0: dead to me but like a million times worse in every conceivable way
1: yeah and it's like of course it's a woman of color who's just this pawn that goes between (laughs) these two white men that's just like this thing that needed to be taken care of like he literally is like who else would have taken care of you like yeah just so then passed around so all in all tony gets arrested it all comes out and then michelle can swim
0: what a weird episode. And, of course, it ends on Mulder, like, really creepily watching her in the pool. With the mom. Like, why is... Where's Scully? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, hopefully for Jillian's sake, she was At not home. on set. Yeah. Um, so, the director of the episode, who is Howard Gordon... Oh, my God. Hit me with it. Um, he cited this as his second least favorite episode of the first season. He- calling it calling it quote just mundane then he added quote there were parts of it that i think were interesting but i don't think it was very well executed on any front it was a pretty classic back from the dead revenge tale and not done particularly interestingly
1: so he's dragging himself (laughs) yeah okay at least he knows i guess at least he knows
0: um and what else did he direct he directed a a bunch i think howard gordon sounds like a name i've heard like associated with the show a lot.
1: I want to look up what one other ones he's directed. Is that okay.
0: Yeah, and then you want to hear the only time you'll ever hear hear me agree with Chris Carter. Oh my God! Yeah. So he said, um, he said, uh, quote, "It was one of our least successful episodes." He said, I thought the direction was a little sloppy, but it's one of those episodes that plays a little closer to reality, and I like that about it. There's a nice twist in it about a man marrying the wife of another man he had killed. Therefore, there therefore, there were actually some nice effects, just not one of my favorites. Um, the only part I agree about that is that just not one of my favorites. There's No, there's just one more. This was a critic, and I think this kind of sums it up. Mm. Perfectly. So it's Rob Robert Shearman. He said quote, part of the difficulty is that this wants to be both a telekinesis episode and also a reincarnation episode. Yep. Either, one of the start, either one of the starting points would have been interesting to link the two so spir- spuriously makes them both feel a bit wooly yeah. and still doesn't really provide enough meat for 45 minutes of television.
1: No, exactly. It's like by putting in both of the supernatural elements, you just cancel each other out. Exactly. It's like, you, yeah, that's such a good point. And that's the episode. Wait,
0: so did Howard, Go- Howard Gordon direct more?
1: Yeah, so he's directed a lot in, like, all of in m- many seasons, but he in this one, he did Conduit, he did Ghost in the Machine, he did Miracle Man, he did Falling Angel, he did Born, Born Again, he was a producer on Gender Bender and Young at Heart, and EB. He was involved in nearly every episode in wow. some way. Wow.
0: Damn, this was really a stinker then. Yeah.
1: Yikes, yikes. Y- yikes. He wrote... He wrote or co-wrote 20 episodes during the Vancouver years, but then he produced a lot. Like he was, he was very involved. Um, The money side of it. Yeah. At least um, he knew that this sucked. Yeah. You gotta love that self-awareness, you know? So do you want to do a special Jillian's Corner?
0: Let's do a very, very special and fun Jillian's corner.
1: So we're gonna, do you
0: wanna say where we where you got this idea? So I listen to a podcast that we've mentioned before called Love It or Leave It. And it's a political podcast. Um and what he does is he they're all live, um, or used to be when before COVID, BC. Um <laughs> and um So when he did them live, he would have guests on and then he would play um, a video, an interview from a politician, you know, a press conference, whatever it was. And then the guests and him could say, would say, okay, stop. Mm -hmm. And then they would comment on any part of the video that they wanted and just kind of like roast it or make a comment or whatever. Um, And so I thought it'd be fun if we did that um, for a Jillian interview or two.
1: So we're going to do it with two short little Jillian interviews. Um, and we have no idea or
0: if we're just going to critique or scream or whatever. Yeah, we'll see. This is going to be a journey. Let me get them up so I can watch as I listen.
1: Okay. And so we're going to post, we'll post these videos with our threads. Um, but this first one is um, Jillian Anderson playing Plead the Fifth on, I don't even know what the show is. Uh,
0: watch What Happens Live with some guy who i don't care about and andy cohen who's annoying as fuck yeah
1: he's annoying as fuck but <laughs> she's great so are you ready
0: oh uh, hold on let me get it up
1: let me know and i'll count down oh my god maybe we can guys we can tell you the origin of 3t1 oh yeah 'Cause I'm gonna do it. So the reason we say three, two, one, go in the beginning of every episode is because when Emily and I started FaceTiming and hanging out and watching stuff together, we would want to play it at the same time. So I <laughs> so I just kinda started going three, two, one, go, and then we'd press play. And so we do that when we hit record. So it, it just became part of the episodes.
0: <laughs> so fun. So, so fun. cute. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. Three, two, one, go.
2: Three questions for you. You may plead the fifth to only one. Here we go.
0: Okay, can we stop <laughs> really quickly?
2: <laughs> she looks so hot, oh my God. She oh looks my God. beautiful.
0: She looks so hot, holy shit. Okay,
2: okay. On-screen kisses. David Duchovny, John Stewart. Scale of one to 10. <laughs> Duchovny. <laughs> um, wait, wait. Wait, 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 wait. wait, wait. Uh, scale of 1 to 10. Oh, this is terrible. Is it? Yes. Do you want to play the film? Uh, no, I'm worried. What comes next? Uh, um, okay, so scale I can't actually remember kissing Jon Stewart. Okay. Okay, stop, 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 <laughs> She stop. absolutely
0: can remember kissing Jon Stewart. Fitch, <laughs> don't lie. Don't you lie. Lie. <laughs> lie. That's a lie. It's a flat out a
1: lie. lie. Um... She just didn't want to uh, rate them up against each other. And that one was far enough
0: away that she could say that. She could have just said, you know, eight. And then she ends up giving David an eight. And that would have been very safe. Right. Yeah. Um, but instead she's like, I don't remember sticking my tongue down his throat. Um, but I, you know, I'm going to give David an 80% out of a hundred.
1: Love is a healer. <laughs> <laughs> be the I love one. that song. How dare <laughs> you? <laughs> that's the song that plays when she's making up with john stewart and um <laughs> playing my heart and it gets stuck in my head for oh my hours god. and hours hours try days
0: <laughs> <laughs> Love i wake will. up i wake up and i go god not again, please um
2: okay like you guys yeah
0: let's keep going let's keep going, okay. let's keep going.
2: So I would say uh, uh, I would give David a an eight. An eight, that's good. Okay. Uh, you shared in a recent article that you were originally, initially offered half of David Duchovny's pay for the recent X Files revival. How did you find that out, and what was your immediate reaction? What like, the- <laughs> that was your. Yeah. That was. Your I mean, reaction. my my agent told. Is him. it true? Yeah. Yes. No. Yeah. And then they... Not certain- uh, okay, they stop. Okay, stop,
0: stop, stop. I fucking hate that guy's reaction to that. I hate that guy's reaction, too. Like, he, it you looks-
1: can't see it, but you will when you look at the thread. But, like, he looks at her when she says... He's like, is it true? And she's like, yeah. And then he looks at her like, mm, no. He's like, are you sure? He's like, no, it's sure? not. And she's like, yeah, dude. I was offered less than half of my co-star. How funny.
0: If you can't... If you are a man and you can't fathom um, a form of oppression that a woman faces or a form of sexism or a form of mistreatment Um, uh, maybe uh, maybe shut the fuck up maybe shut the fuck up and then maybe start um, listening to women yeah Yeah. literally Um, it's very clear that uh, this man is very very um, ignorant to the female experience it's like if when that this- shocks him if yeah. that shocks him
1: well because then in a second when um he makes a joke of like well they wanted to shoot it he's like he cannot fathom he's like well then if that happens you just don't fucking do it what the fuck like as like as if it's not this crazy power play that happens constantly totally that people are having to face
0: well also that she had that she faced since starting the series yeah, that's been an ongoing battle for her.
2: Yes. Paying you the same. Yeah. Thank correct. God They wanted to shoot it. In a 2012, yes, yes. Exactly. yes exactly. exactly, right? Funny how that yeah. works. Isn't know, that funny? Right? Yeah, exactly. It's funny. Uh, in a 2012 Out Magazine interview, you revealed you had a girlfriend in high school, mm-hmm. but you always liked boys. When was the last time you dipped into the lady pond? Okay, stop.
0: Stop, stop.
1: Just the fact that he's framing this as, like, this is the scandalous question that she's not going to want to answer. As if, one, she hasn't already talked about it openly, and two, don't
0: fucking say Lady Pond, you straight white piece of shit. I hate this question a lot because you said it exactly. The fact that this is the final question where he's a right? Is this the final question? Where he's about to be like, she didn't plead the fifth, like- Pleading the fifth is like if you are about to reveal incriminating information about yourself. Exactly. That could possibly be harmful to somebody else or yourself. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that this, this is the question was like, when was the last time you fucked a woman?
1: Like what? The only question that fits the criteria for this game is the first one where he asked her totally. to rate two different people's kissing like the other one exactly. is, a, is a very big issue that she should talk like that she has talked publicly about that is important to discuss mm-hmm. and the third it's like the third one is her personal life that she's all, like what?
0: the third one is so fetishizing it so um, fetishizing. makes me want to swallow shards of glass but
1: she handles all of this really well
0: yeah she handles it very well okay, should we continue? continue
2: yeah well, actually, that that article was actually about a woman that I was with for about a year when I first lived in New York. When I, it was post-college. Oh, wow. I, yeah, I think. So that would have been the last that time. That was the last time. So yes, as far as I remember. She did not plead the fifth, everybody!
0: Stop. Okay, stop, 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 stop. Why'd you have to slip that in there, Jillian? As far as I remember.
1: Oh, that, oh, I didn't even take notice of that.
0: As far... This woman remembers the most obscure things. Maybe don't hurt me like that.
1: (laughs) You're like, feels like a personal attack.
0: It feels like um, my heart's been broken so many times. (laughs) I don't know who to believe. Um, No, but it's also like very valid. It just feels like she threw that in there just to, you know. Makes my heart so happy because I just love to think about the fact that she probably went to all of her favorite places that she used to go with her girlfriend. And like that makes me so happy. Like... I. That's the most pleasing to your career. That is the most pleasing thing, I think, to my career ever because, one, New York has such a special place in my heart. Um, Going back after, like, an extended period of time away Mm -hmm. um, and going to, like, places where you used to frequent a lot um, is such a feeling of nostalgia. Yeah. And I love love nostalgia. That's, like, one of my favorite. Oh, me too, yeah. And then the fact that, like, just her young Jillian with her girlfriend like just you know cruising around town it just makes me so happy it makes me so happy it makes my heart flutter oh good and I love it so much and I'm so happy that she talked about it in that way because he was trying to like make it seem like it was a scandal like shame her into
1: feeling like it's something that she should be embarrassed about absolutely it's fucked but she is beautiful and handled it beautifully
0: and also her legs I mean they just oh
1: yeah that (laughs) <laughs> yep. Okay, um, so the next one, we're going to do one more, is Gillian um, Anderson on James Corden talking about when her son gave her a Birds
2: of the Beast scare. Now, Gillian, uh, you and I, we both we both have three children. We do. Uh, you have... Congratulations. On your thank birthday. you very much. You have one girl and um, two boys. <laughs> I have now two girls and one boy. Do you, do you find that boys offer a different challenge to girls,
0: yes. Okay, stop. <laughs> okay, stop. 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 Okay, a few stop. things.
1: One, when when she says when um James Gordon says you have one girl in the audience like erupts, she's like, I know. she's <laughs> Like you applauding me for having a daughter, she smiles like she's all happy about it.
0: I know because she probably is so it's proud. So and then yes, shut up. Stop. Oh my god, the 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 deep octave that octave that her voice can get to her the deep octave <laughs> that her voice can get to I'm The deep
1: octave um, that
0: like- um like shoots down my spine that's the only way i can describe it
1: i have a question but i can cut this out do you think that mm. us like, um associating deep voices with confidence has to do with associating men with being the like masculinity with being the epitome of confidence because men have deep voices
0: uh, i w- I was going to say that um, I think it's the opposite. I think we associate high voices with children. And so that Mm. isn't seen as commanding.
1: Oh, it's not as it's both. both.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I think it's both. Um, But also, I just think like her deep smoker's voice is really sexy. Oh, of course. I'm not,
1: it is. Like, I was just wondering. You can keep that in if you want. Just because earlier today we were freaking out over a big man and you, you brought me down to earth. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, it's true yeah a lot of our a lot of the ways that um we are socialized in um heterosexual situations and male female situations um is rooted in pedophilia which is fun mm. the way that men view women sexually rather is is rooted in pedophilia yeah, in terms of like hairlessness and size and um <sharp inhale> submissiveness anyways yeah, all that. her voice is hot anyways yeah um yeah her voice is really sexy that's all <laughs>
2: in a big way they do i, I gotta tell you something a, a, a few days ago I, I my boys are 11 and 9 right and a few days ago i was back in london we live in london and my and and one of them i'm not gonna say which one in the morning
0: okay, school, um we all know you live in london <laughs> we've got it at this point <laughs> we've got it at this point like every single time she says i was back home in london i, live I, in I london. just expect I expect her to say I live in London so every single time. Yeah,
2: every time. Crawls into bed with me in the morning before school and, and we are cuddling for a bit and then I go into the bathroom and I hear Okay,
0: stop. Um it's so cute that one of her um young adolescent boys is comfortable enough cuddling with her nude. I know. It's I think so that's sweet. so that's such a testament to the type of mom she is, and it's so, well, so sweet. Well, from the stories
1: that she tells about her son, it seems like toxic, toxic masculinity is not present. But it's like the way that she talks about her sons and their relationship, it, it seems like they're very like, she's so comfortable. Like, it seems like they're very comfortable with her, and like, for adolescent boys, that's wild with their moms. And that's beautiful. Totally. And like, go, Jillian. Raise some good boys. I hear, mommy! Mommy,
2: look! Mommy, mommy! And I come in, and he's lying on the bed naked. Mm-hmm. And he has his hands, I actually can't show you because I can't reach behind my head, but he's got his hands. Thank you. Can you do, no, behind your head. Like, oh, it interlace sure. them behind your head. Okay, yep. yeah. can you do that? Okay, yep. like that, yep. behind his head, <laughs> lying on the bed naked, and he is standing at attention, if you know what I mean? I'm going to stop acting that out yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> Am I, so he's completely... Uh-huh. Wow. And, um, and so I'm looking at him <laughs> on the bed and I'm thinking, okay, I gotta, it's time, I gotta explain this to him. Okay, I stop.
0: Explain- I just can't imagine. It's so funny to me that she is so frightened by this conversation because I feel like this would be an okay introduction to that conversation probably the
1: easiest one
0: i would think i that's what i was thinking i feel like this would be the e- i mean obviously neither of us have children we don't like, we're not mothers <laughs> i feel like this we're would like be... fucking
1: molder with the psychiatrist
0: like no interest.
1: no i'm joking no I'm joking. but
0: seriously like i feel like this would be a good trend like this would be a good opportunity because it's like it is it's about your body it's yeah. about you it's not about like something that should be um uncomfortable or right. like you know, stigmatize, like, no, it should just be, you know, that's just the way that it is. And I think even framing it outside of, um, like the traditional birds and the bees conversation, like sex talk would be even healthier because it would just be so casual. And I think like children, um, children run away from like a sit down talk where it's like very anxiety ridden and like, I feel like this, and so, um, but I also just love how she was just like, yeah, this is the moment, let's do it. She's like, let's go, because you kind of have to, like, you can't, because if you
1: ignore the moment and go back, then it's harder, right?
0: Totally. But I remember,
1: like, when I started my period, I didn't realize myself. My mom saw it on my shorts and told me, and I felt so observed and, like, totally so vulnerable and uncomfortable, so I feel like, no matter what you're going to deal with some vulnerability and, and uncomfortableness and it's going to be a, h- a hard conversation,
0: but so. I meant uncomfortable regarding the top, like framing sex as something that needs to be uncomfortable to talk about or should oh, be yeah. because it shouldn't be
1: right. Exactly.
0: That's what I meant. I didn't mean like, you know, oh, no,
1: that makes complete sense.
0: Yeah. Within the environment.
2: Okay. I <laughs>
1: What? I just can't believe that she was like, I don't think I'm going to do sex education because of my sons. But then she's like, I'm going to tell this story on national television.
0: Literally. She literally thought that not saying which one of her sons this was, um, was the ticket.
1: She's like, I don't want to tell her which one. It doesn't matter.
0: And I also, I also want to know, like at what point during the night or during the day that they filmed this, did she decide she was going to tell this story?
1: I know. I wonder if she ran it by her publicist or if she was like, no, no, I'm going to tell
0: or, like, if it uh, was truly spur of the moment when he brought yeah, it Yeah, like, I want to go back and see her face when, when he asks if raising girls and boys are different and, like, see if I can see it in her face where see she's, like, come up, that's yeah. a great story. Mm-hmm. We can do that after.
2: Conversation somehow about what this actually means. So I walk around the bed and I sit down, get the book out, and I go, okay.
0: Now, and he goes, I've got a six
2: pack. Okay, wait,
0: stop. Her face after she tells the story is so fresh. It's so
1: cute. She's just like, yep, oh,
0: that's fuck. my son. That Her whole face story so is so adorable. sweet. Yeah.
1: Well, that and it sweet. shows just how destigmatized she considers it if she feels comfortable enough telling it on national television.
0: Totally. Yep.
1: And that was okay. Stop. Let us know if you liked that or if it was hectic. I'm
0: sure I'll I'll get a sense when I'm editing it. But I feel like that's my favorite segment that that podcast does because that was so fun. Yeah, that was really, really fun. And so I think it's really fun to listen to. So hopefully hopefully it reads Hopefully, that was enjoyable and like if you want us to do an interview or something oh, and yeah. it can be anything it could Ew. be chris carter it can be david it doesn't have to be jillian truly, related yeah anything send us your um videos that you want us to okay stop it can even be i would i mean i would be totally comfortable with doing like something about for the beginning like a topic on. oh
1: yeah totally it like truly doesn't even need to be x-files related anything
0: yeah it can be anything that would be um, so fun yeah send us that your would things be a lot of fun yeah Okay, well, thank you for listening. And uh, we'll uh, catch you
1: next time. Catch you next time on The Sex Files. Files. The Sex Files. Okay, bye.